Hello, and welcome to 7-Minute Explainers. I'm Ryan Cooper, National Correspondent at The Week, and today I'd like to share the secret history of cowboy socialism. Few figures of American myth are more iconic than that of the American cowboy, the rugged pastoralist who tamed the last frontier, the great American West. He's perhaps the signature encapsulation of the American spirit of self-reliant individualism. For an example of someone who clearly subscribes to the cowboy legend, look no further than the insurgent Nevada cattle ranching family, the Bundys. Clive and D. Bundy's federal land dispute inspired an armed standoff in 2014, for which he now faces trial. In January 2016, his son Ammon Bundy followed suit when he and his ragtag militia occupied the Malheur Wildlife Refuge in Oregon for six weeks. Tell us what you're trying to do. Well, we have a situation here where uh, our federal government has come down upon the people. Uh, they've been doing it for some time now. That was Bundy speaking to CBS this morning in 2016. His cowboy hat, flannel shirt look, and demands that the government stop interfering with the West are straight out of the individualist tradition. Bundy's ideas are nonsense, but they're no more wrong than the entire creation myth of the American West. It may fly the flag of self-interested individualism, but the American frontier is built on a bedrock of big government. Before the West could be won, it first had to be stolen from Mexico. But even after U.S. President James Polk ginned up a quick war to steal from our southern neighbors, there were still tons of Native Americans living in the conquered territory. To make way for white settlers, U.S. authorities had to undertake a general program of ethnic cleansing. Enter the Indian Wars, the first major domestic government program in the West. The Indian Wars were a series of battles, skirmishes, and massacres that began after the Civil War. They were all driven by white desire for land and native desire to stay where they'd been for the last few thousand years. And they all ended the same way, with the U.S. Army crushing the Native Americans and forcing them to sign out a treaty giving up great swaths of land. Once the natives had been mostly driven out, white settlement finally had the first example of genuinely socialist policy. Free land. A long series of laws gave sizable 160-acre chunks of free land to those who could prove they were putting it into agricultural production. Railroads also got vast chunks as a way to fund new transportation, and mining companies could claim smaller bits with mineral reserves. These land programs were conceptually unworkable, catastrophically mismanaged, and riddled with fraud. For places with decent precipitation, 160 acres is more than necessary, even too much for a single farming family that didn't have modern heavy machinery. But for ranching, 160 acres is far too little. The United States Geological Survey proposed a new approach. Vary land grant size based on precipitation. Smaller for rainy areas, much, much larger for drier ones. And ensure that every new homestead had at least some water. But it wasn't popular. Western politicians refused to accept that their states could be so inhospitable. As a result, regular people were largely frozen out of the land grants, while crooks and rich tycoons amassed huge holdings through fraud and legal chicanery. And herein lies the problem with Western politics. Only extensive federal government projects could possibly facilitate the settlement and development of the region. But the West has been too wedded to the cowboy mythology to admit it. So instead of building quality government institutions to ensure that the programs function properly, Western politicians simply grafted massive federal subsidies onto their beloved cowboy individualism. Unsurprisingly, the result was usually poor. 
After the end of the homesteading era, the government asserted federal control over the remaining unclaimed land. Some was reserved for national parks and monuments, but the bulk was turned over to federal agencies that would eventually become the Bureau of Land Management. Under Western pressures, such land was immediately captured by the big ranching barons, who were granted grazing rights at a fraction of the market rate. The effects on the land's long-term health were disastrous. This brings us to the final and starkest example of Western socialism, the delivery of water. The West is mostly a huge desert, some of it harsh in the extreme. Throughout the Gilded Age, private and even state-level efforts to develop water resources that could support Western agriculture and mass settlement repeatedly failed. In 1902, the Reclamation Act turned these efforts, as well as the West's key economic institution, over to the government. Build a dam in the wilderness, and the world will beat a path to it. The Great Depression marked a turning point for government water projects in the West, thanks to the ambitions of the New Deal. This is the story of Hoover Dam, one of America's seven modern civil engineering wonders. Practically overnight, the Bureau of Reclamation was simultaneously building some of the biggest structures ever attempted, including Hoover Dam and Grand Coulee Dam. These projects were generally completed under budget and ahead of schedule, and made a reasonable policy sense. But this moment of rational ambition was brief. After World War II, with Western states growing in population and their congressmen occupying key committees, the old pattern asserted itself again. Western politicians demanded water projects for cities and agriculture that were wildly uneconomical, and yet the government built them anyway. For half a century, water projects were one of the primary venues for pork barrel politics, papered over with a patina of John Wayne nonsense. With all the dams and irrigation canals built at public expense, the West's independent yeoman farmer became the embodiment of the welfare state. By the 1960s, having run out of projects to build and facing a rising tide of environmentalist fury, the water project machine eventually slowed and collapsed. Now, after over a decade of climate change-induced drought, the West is grudgingly attempting to reorganize its hideous water system along saner lines. It's hard going, in part because of the persistent cowboy political tradition represented by Ammon Bundy and his pack of revolutionary wannabes who want to pay zero in federal grazing fees and end the federal ownership of land. Even reformist Western politicians still have to tiptoe around the fact that the federal government is simply an inextricable part of how the West has always functioned. That Bundy has confused one of the primary spigots of rancher welfare with a rancher smashing tyranny is only a wild exaggeration of a typical view rooted in Western myth and broader American conservatism. And that does it for this episode of 7-Minute Explainers. Look out for new episodes every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, theweek.com, or wherever you listen. I'm Ryan Cooper, and thanks so much for listening.